everyone, and welcome to season one, episode seven, seven of eight. We're near the end of this season's uh, podcast of Living Leadership, coming at you from the School of Leadership Studies at Gonzaga University. I am so grateful to be your host, Tara Weir, and I am so excited to continue with our first season. Living Leadership consists of eight webinars. And those are then followed by eight conversational podcast episodes on topics that are about community and workplace wellness. We're leaning in to what you need in and out of the workplace and how employers can support you in that. I am thrilled to be joined by our guests today, Katie Trelor and Allison Ryan, Ryan Gilbertson. Hey, Tara. If you were able... Hello, welcome to both of you. Yes. Um, For those of you listening, uh, if you were able to tune into our live webinar on April 27th, then you may have already had a chance to hear from them. But I do want to quickly reintroduce them for our topic today, which is neurodiversity and ADHD in the workplace. Okay, Katie, I'm going to start with you, and I want to introduce you and let our listeners know that you are the founder of Executive Function Coaching, LLC. Neurodiverse and ADH individuals turn to Katie when they want to understand their disabilities and develop strategies to increase professional success. Through one-on-one, individualized coaching, Katie helps clients identify their executive function challenges. Together, they work to create systems and strategies that allow the client to overcome barriers at work and at home. Katie was born and raised in Spokane. She received her undergraduate and graduate degree from the amazing Gonzaga University. Katie is an experienced educator and specialist in executive function coaching. Her mission is to help people in her community living with these invisible disabilities. Yay. Now, Allison, a new friend of mine here I got to meet today, <laughs> Allison Ryan Gilbertson is the benefits manager at Cowles, is that how you Coles, say Coles, Coles, Coles Company since 2015. Um, she's been in HR since 2009. She's a graduate of the journalism program at EWU and a graduate of the organizational leadership program from Gonzaga. Um, She had the opportunity to study leadership in Florence and continues to uh, see the benefits of the leadership program in her professional and her personal life. She is married with two beautiful children who keep her on her toes. And in her free time, she likes to dance, teach ballet, ski, boat, and shuttle kids around the mom taxi. Also joining us today is Living Leadership webinar and podcast amazing producer, Emily Clay. Welcome to all three of you, Uh, and I'm excited about this conversation because this really is personal 
for me because it struck so many nerves because of myself, my close family members, the clients that I work with, the leaders that I develop. So really, really, I'm excited about it because it hit home. So first of all, thank you both for bringing your wisdom and your experience and your insight and your examples to that webinar. Um, and again, I want to reinforce, I highly recommend that you watch the webinar if you haven't, listeners. So um, let's dig a little deeper, shall we? Sounds all right. Good. Okay. So number one thing I want to say to start this whole thing is that part of what you're both doing and what we're all doing is normalizing talking about differences, talking about neurodiversity, talking about the way our brains function differently than others. So I love that. And I think that's one of the first things that I really want to reinforce and, and, and hear, I think I heard from both of you. So it's so important to advocate for yourself. And that when you're advocating and speaking up, you are helping other people. You are a leader in speaking up and, and getting what you need. So, um, so to normalizing neurodiversity. Okay. Um, one of the first questions I have is really just taking the accommodations question a little further, the accommodations that maybe somebody could ask for, or that a manager could consider and offer, um, or that an organization could have like as part of their, not policy, but you know, that, that if an organizational leader wants to bring this back to their HR, you know, here are some things that we as an organization could do. Um, so accommodations, and I, and I say this because I have a very dear member of my family that I have been working with the school system on for getting accommodations. And I drew a blank. They're like, oh, you just have to list out what accommodations you need. And I'm like, I don't know what they need. Like I, I drew a blank. So I think the more examples we can hear, the more people realize how many options there are out there. So Katie, let's start with you, if you don't mind, and, and really just explore and reinforce any of the accommodations that you mentioned in the webinar as well. Feel free. Okay. Well, I think if we think about ADHD as a set of executive function skills, and those are skills that we all have, um, which include task initiation, working memory, goal-directed persistence, uh, impulse control, sustained attention, emotional regulation, those are the, the skills or, that we need to have kind of what they call a neurotypical brain. Um, when there are challenges around those skills, or um, that is when we see ADHD affect our performance and we can be diagnosed with ADHD. So if we're talking about accommodations, um, whether it's in the classroom or at home or at work, there's of course the physical accommodations, which I talked a little bit about in the webinar. And that might be noise canceling headphones. Um, it might be instead of taking a 60 minute lunch break, maybe it's letting um, an individual break it up into you know, three 20 minute lunch breaks taken throughout the day. Um, maybe sitting in a quiet area, a cubicle where there's no visual or auditory um, distractions. You could sit on a stress ball or the resistance ball, and that kind of helps with, um, you know, a sustained attention or that like uh, behavior, that impulse control. 
So those are physical accommodations. Um, I think Allison mentioned like a standing desk. And those are all things that an employer can provide at, you know, no cost or low cost. Um, but when we're talking about accommodations that are going additional accommodations, those are the accommodations that are really improving our executive function skills. And so by saying, oh, we can give so-and-so longer to work on something like an extended deadline, that is a great accommodation. Like you, you see that in school a lot um, where somebody has longer to take a test than um, a neurotypical student would. Um, but at the same time, if they don't have, we can give a lot of ADHD people, we could give them a year to finish a project and they're still not gonna get it finished because there is some challenge around specific executive function skills. So an accommodation for that, you know, getting work in on time, um, that has to be very specific and it has to come along with a lot of um, help from a manager. Um, so things that I suggest for clients that might be struggling like an accommodation would be saying, all right, I, I need a manager that's really hands-on who's going to check. Maybe we do like a five minute morning meeting every day and just to make sure that we're on the same timeline um, and that I remember what he's asked, what he or she has asked me to do. And I remember when the deadline is, um, and if I have any questions, this five minutes gives me a very like intentional time to ask questions so I don't feel like I'm bothering my manager at a later time. So that would be an example of an accommodation that actually improves executive function skills would be that like five minute morning meeting um, and asking for that because unless you ask for it, your manager's not going to know you need it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that really, that well, I want to hear what you have to say, Allison, too, but I also want to talk about that afterwards of the idea of advocating for yourself. So, Allison, some more ideas, examples that you might be able to put out there. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's that really it, it does, unfortunately, fall on the employee if they to self-advocate, um, because what ends up happening if the manager's unaware and they are falling short of their projects, whatever their work performance is suffering because of their um, diagnosis, if we don't know, then it looks bad on them. And then they're disciplined, which creates more anxiety in the employee, which kind of spends, you know, cycles them down and spins it out of control. Where if we know up front, um, and I know that's difficult, uh, difficult conversation. Um, that's, that's where that, you know, that, that ickiness comes in where, you know, we need to know how to help you so that we can, we can figure out a, a better schedule or like we said, break times or whatever. Another piece I was just thinking about while Katie was talking is, you know, in some circumstances, you know, it, unfortunately, I mean, to, to, to just be completely, this is the way it is, you know, other employees get jealous or you have, you know, other, that, that other group making you feel even worse about, you know, coming forward with your with your issue or that you need assistance. And so it, it's, it really is, um, it's, it's a hard thing. It's a hard mm -hmm. thing for an, for an individual. It's, it's not as simple as, oh yeah, I'm just gonna go down and ask for this you know, signature up and, and have my doctor sign up because there's a lot more things that play into that and, and can affect the individual's 
um, psyche too. You know, like, I'm sorry that I have this, whatever, you know, it could be, you know, it's a little bit different to have a stress ball than to have to, you know, I get to have two days off a week, you know, where I get mm-hmm. to work from home where, where you, you don't, or you, you have to come in every day. Um, but okay. I mean, if, if the manager approves it and it works for the department and the work's getting done, that's, that's, you know, that's where that ADA, can I do my essential job functions? Yeah. I can do them. Maybe I have to do them a little differently, but I can do them. So having those conversations and being able to understand and help support if, if possible, um, is, is the biggest key on, on getting to step two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And, you know, I heard in the webinar and you just said it again, I think it's really important to reinforce that it's about a dialogue Mm -hmm. and it is not an easy conversation and it is, um, it takes courage. And I see the sign every time I drive into my office, courage is contagious. (laughs) So there we are bringing it to the place, you know, workplace so that it can be normalized, but that, that it really is about having that, that conversation. Um, so, and, and I, I want to even take it a little further to say that there's a shared responsibility, right? Shared responsibility between the person that is struggling and the manager that is leading this person, um, and having that and, and, and you, you also talked about safety in the webinar and that psychological safety in an organization is crucial for so many reasons. And in particular for this one too, because a person has to have some level of safety to come forward and ask for what they need. Um, yeah. When during COVID, just an example that, that I did is I decided to send out a weekly email about what, what I was going through. Like, man, I really had a hard time figuring out how to get on a zoom today. Cause I'm like technologically just not good. Um, you know, we discovered my daughter had a learning disorder during it. I was just completely open during the whole time um, just to, to, to create that conversation. And, you know, you're not alone. We're all going through all this, all this stuff. Um, and, you know, I got so many emails back of like, thank you for sharing. And then it was like, then I opened it up. Do you want to share? Like, you don't have to share with anybody else that you can share with me. And it really just created this community Um it was really nice. And, and I just was like, now all these people know who I am and great. And we have companies that are all over in multi-states. And so it brought everyone together and then people started sharing with each other. It's like, do you want me to share this? Yeah. Um, even spouses, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone had an opportunity to, to try to create that, but it did create that safety. And so when people mm-hmm. felt comfortable and I had, they all my personal cell phone, everyone has access to me all the time. Call me up, let me know. I'll listen, you know? So having that person that's there um, and that they can trust. And I'm not going to go tattle on you if you don't, do you want me to share that with your manager? No. Yes. Great. You know, so um, I think just having an advocate in place is really important. And our team is really good here too. So everyone's kind of in the same mind space there. I feel like it really is like one of the biggest fears when, you know, I think about like, if I needed to go to my manager about something like this and this idea of psychological safety in the workplace, how can we be sure it's safe to go to HR or to management? Like if someone, if for some reason someone did go to HR or management about needing additional assistance and they were turned down or turned away or had a bad experience, like what then? Because I feel like that is like the biggest fear for a lot of people. So you know, I know some people might not feel 
necessarily safe with their current management? Like, what do you do in a situation if you, if it's not going how you were hoping? Well, unfortunately that happens. It happens. Um, it, happened, it happened to me. I mean, I didn't tell my previous boss I was pregnant for like five months because I was like, I'm scared of you. <laughs> you know, so there's, you know, certain, um, certain managers that may react that way. So I think I mentioned this in the webinar, the biggest thing that we do is we train. We do training a lot. And, you know, I just went out, we have a brand new protection facility. I just did training with all their managers. Nope, everyone gets to come. Nope, you don't get to say no. And I'm gonna explain to them and I'm gonna give them specific examples of people in that type of work where I work with tons of different types of companies and lots of different types of employees. So, you know, Let's talk about this situation and how you would play that out. And no, you cannot say this. And please don't ever say this. And, um, this is how you handle these situations. And then just to help them understand the process and how to get people to where they need to be so that we can start those conversations and help them um, to whatever they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, on the and organization. If I can interrupt for just a second. Oh, sure. Go ahead. No, you go, Katie. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I was just going to say that, um, I use the kind of the phrase you need to live in the discomfort. Huh? Oh, can you hear me? I think, I think Katie's internet's lagging. Um, yeah. I think maybe the internet's just lagging, but it's okay. Okay. Uh, can, can you hear me? Okay. okay now? I think so. Yeah. All right. I think you're, I think you're back. Should I sign off and sign back on? I think oh, you're no, good okay. now. We can, we can edit that part out. So you're good. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, I was just going to say that I tell my clients a lot. Can you live in the discomfort for a minute? Because the product of that discomfort is going to be better than the situation you're in now. So mm-hmm. yes, it's going to be uncomfortable to disclose. Yes. It's going to be, you're going to feel sick to your stomach when you, decide that you found someone that you can trust um, to discuss your disability, but coming to grips with, it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to live in this uncomfortableness because I know that the outcome is better than how I'm feeling and how I'm performing now. And so Mm -hmm. it's just kind of wrapping your mind around, I have to do this to make everything better kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's such a great point. Yeah. Such a great point too. When I was thinking about, as you were talking to Allison about organizations and, and training, I think that is so important that, uh, because people need the words, the language, the way, you know, the, 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 the do's and the don'ts in a lot of ways in these areas, because we don't all come from the same background with the same perspective. So I, I love that idea of, of making sure that we're, you know, everyone has the tools to navigate it in a way that they can be respectful because, you know, they don't want to accidentally hurt somebody. Right. Um, and it makes me think too, about the fact that, cause I don't, I know there's organizations out there that people have a hard time taking time off and they, they struggle to take time off because their workload is such that when they walk away, nobody's doing their work, they come back and they're swamped and then they have major overwhelm. Um, so I think that, as far as an organization, you know, like, what would you say, Allison, about 
about an organization keeping in mind that workload that it is doable so that that person, you know, because like I have family members that are having a hard time taking vacation um, because it's such a pain, it's painful to come back from that. Yeah. Absolutely. I just went through it myself. I mean, I'm busy from like November through end of March. Like I don't take days off and my boss is like, stop. <laughs> what can I do to help you? Cause she sees me, <gasps> you know, and, and that's, but that was that I had to ask for it. You know, I, I really need some help here. You know, my filings getting behind this, like little things that, you know, kind of bother, bother me. And I'm just going to use myself in this example, but having that conversation and saying, okay, so what, what can we do? So we ended up getting more document storage and let's not have all this extra filing. And, you know, I need you to shut off at five. And I, you know, um, I don't know, but, but having those conversations and then figuring out what works for that person, that, that, that department I mean, every department's different, but mm-hmm. um, it really is, again, it all comes down to that communication and you're like, I'm losing my mind here. Like I need help. Yeah. Help me. <laughs> I'm right. going to have a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, she hired someone to come in and, and help me for a week. I mean, just really nice stuff, but you know, I, I would never have got any of that help had I not asked for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was kind of an uncomfortable conversation. It's like, I don't want to admit that I'm having a hard time or that I'm not doing because we, as people, we don't want to say I'm failing, you know, we, we want to be the best versions of ourselves, um, especially in front of our employer. So yeah, it, it's again, living in that discomfort and just for a minute and getting through it. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to, you know, and, and it's, it, probably nine times out of 10, it's just fine. It's like, Oh gosh, I didn't know you were having a problem. Let me help you. Um, or let's figure out what we can do, you know, or let me help you. Let me just jump in a little bit. I can, I can help you do that. So. And people want to help. Like people are so eager to help you when you ask, you know? Yes, absolutely. We all have a need to help each other and contribute. Like we can thrive more when we're able to do that, but the only way we can help each other is if somebody asks or, you know, you can take initiative, but but still, I think that's that's so important that it's mm-hmm. to speak up and, and ask for it. And there you go again, like advocating for yourself by speaking up. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important for us as, as a society to think about needs in a very different way. It's like, I have needs, you have needs. They're different possibly just because of our own makeup and our own background and that they're all important and that I want to respect my own needs and I respect your needs. And it's having that that conversation with respect. And one of the examples that y'all talked about during the webinar was around multi-generations in the workplace um, and that there are struggles between the, the different perspectives. And it may be a generational thing. It may just be a personal thing of um, what, what is acceptable in terms of taking vacation time, what is seen as not carrying your weight. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's about really looking at those differences and, and being an organization as from an organizational perspective, one that supports and respects the differences and to, and to really hold people accountable for being, you know, being, being open to the fact that I don't view it the same way you view it. I have, I have a need for that vacation for you, your need for, um, you know, for consistency and that's something you're proud of, then by all means, go for it. And I have a need for time off here and there. So it's like, it, I, I just think that that's, 
and we're talking, you know, we're talking about diversity, we're talking about neurodiversity, we're talking about different needs. Um, so yeah, so anyway, I just, I, that just came up and then we were, we were talking as we were prepping for this about the differences between genders, whether, um, you know, sometimes we can think about it in terms of, of binary, but as we know, gender identity is um, non-binary and it's shifting. And so I think it's, it, the theme is really just about accepting of those differences and, and helping people affect you know, helping people verbalize and how teaching them in your organization, how to handle them, how to manage it, um, that kind of thing. Okay. So as we were saying, this is really an important point that both of you experts are saying is around the differences and learning how to notice what you need and have advocacy for yourself, as well as having sensitivity and kindness for people that have different needs. Um, and I'm gonna bring us, I'm gonna circle back to accommodations because Katie, um, you just signaled that you have a couple of other ideas and uh, we love those specifics. So, so far away. All right, so I was thinking about um, accommodations. We talked about the physical accommodations. We talked about the five minute morning meeting check-in with the manager. Mm -hmm. um, and these next ideas can really go for students or adults um, because whether you have dyslexia or learning disability or ADHD, sitting in a meeting or in a class and trying to take notes from a lecture or a presentation is very hard. Mm -hmm. So if your professor or your boss or um, your manager knows that you need an accommodation, um, you can ask for someone to take notes from the meeting or ask for a transcript from the meeting, which um, is, a, is an amazing way that you can circle back and have a concrete reminder of what was talked about. Um, people with dys dyslexia um, are books on tape or um, employee manuals that are on tape, I guess that's more like audible, um, though you can ask for those. So textbooks or um, books that you're using for work, asking those for like, you know, uh, asking for an audio recording. And there's an amazing font made specifically for people with dyslexia. So if you can um, have that downloaded on your computer and then be able to cut and paste like um, memos or um, other like office documents into this different font. It actually helps um, individuals with dyslexia understand what they're reading. And then one of my biggest kind of soapboxes these days <laughs> are the organizational platforms that all these companies are using. And so everybody's jumping on board like Trello and Asana um, as like the end all be all for bringing workplace communities together and putting everything in one spot. But if you have ADHD or if you're like me and might not be like super up to date on all the technology, um, it is your emotional regulation when you see that platform just goes out the window. And so um, I think, you know, I talked to one lady and she's like, we did this amazing tra uh, training around Trello and now everybody's going to use it and it's going to be great. And in my head, I'm thinking, gosh, that's awesome. But for people with ADHD, um, they're going to look at that and they'll either leave the meeting really excited about this new platform and then forget that, forget about it instantly, <laughs> <laughs> or they'll use it really well for a week 
And then um, because there's no accountability or like somebody checking in being like, make sure you keep using, you know, such and such, um, they'll stop using it or um, they will, or they'll just say, I can't use it and they'll walk away from it. So my big soapbox these days is we need to go back to the old fashioned calendar (laughs) (laughs) because, and I'm, but then you have to think about it as someone with ADHD. Okay. So you're going to start asking a question. Do you want a small one that you can carry around with in your purse or your bag? Or do you want a big one that's up on the wall? And then how are you going to remember each day to put what you need to see on that calendar? Like, actually um, putting it on like a a reminder in your phone saying, okay, you need to update your calendar. And then finally um, using that calendar as like a linear timeline to be able to say, okay, I have 12 days until my next check-in and then using a strategy of backwards planning and saying, okay, um, I have 23 things to do for this project. And I'm going to, you know, use my paper calendar that's in front of me, that's tangible, that's concrete and plan backwards so that I'm ready for that next meeting. Because even if you don't have executive function deficits, think about how many times you go to your computer or your phone to look up your calendar and you instantly (laughs) forget why you've picked up your phone or why you've signed on to computer. And 30 minutes later, you're on social media or checking your email and you have no memory of why you're there or what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So I know there's this big push for technology. All these amazing organizational platforms are great, but, um, you know, if we're thinking about accommodations, go kind of circle back to what work, like what will work for you and having a tangible concrete calendar is something that I really push on my clients. If they're will, if they're willing to, I mean, obviously push is the wrong word, but I invite, invite, invite (laughs) the courage. (laughs) So those are a couple additional accommodations that, um, people could use. Um, there's also one that, uh, Terry, you were talking about prioritizing. So people are, have like this great plan and all of a sudden they get like this hot topic that they're supposed to attend to right now. Nice. And their decision-making is really hard for the ADHD brain. Mm-hmm. So thinking about having a tool, it's called the Eisenhower metrics. And so you can Google it as we're sitting here <laughs> and it talks about, looking at your to-do list um, and then deciding the difference between important and urgent and not important and non-urgent. And it's a quadrant, the four quadrant thing. And you put each of your tasks into the quadrants depending on urgency and importance. And then you plan your day that helps you prioritize what's most important and what could be done the next day or even not done at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are my, those are my accommodation tangent. (laughs) No, that's fantastic because I think that with neurodiversity, often it's an overwhelm or an anxiety, or it's a, a emotion regulation that happens right from being triggered around. Oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I don't know what to do first. What's important. Oh, now this is important. Wait, now what's else? What else is important? So, um, and uh, my clients struggle with that. I struggle with that because, um, because they're always changing. Right. So I love that resource, the Eisenhower metrics. I've, I've used that in the past. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I still struggled on like, which category does it go in? Like, I 
still really struggle with that. Trello, I, I have a Trello board and I can't tell you how many times I've changed my Trello titles on each of the columns. Like, no, I need to organize it by event. No, I need to organize it. And it's like, I'm spending more time trying to get organized than I am actually well, not really, but you know, it feels like it sometimes. Yes. Um, and then I really, I want to also reinforce, I really appreciate this, the, um, the idea of, um, well, it made me think when you were speaking, when I was at my graduate school program and they were lecturing, I do not do well sitting still for lectures. So mm-hmm. I just sneak out in the back, in the back, not out, but in the back. And I stretched, I, you know, I moved, I swayed, like I needed to keep moving because I, I'd fall asleep or yeah. I would daydream. So um, there it is of saying, you know, what we need to advocate for ourselves. And my, you know, and my professors were totally accepting of it. They knew, they knew that um, people learn in different ways. So yeah. Um, yeah. Allison, what are your thoughts on, I, I've, I've been ch- chatting. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I was thinking just out loud, like um, for meetings and, and, and things like that, I use, an, it's called easy voice recorder on my phone. I use it all the time so that if something's really important, we're having like a big executive meeting or something, I just put it right on my desk so I can hear it. Then I can play it back for myself to make sure that I heard everything because I'm kind of the same way. Like I'll start thinking about what I have to do next and what's going on tomorrow. So um, where do I have to be later on? wow, I'm kind of hungry. What do I want? For, you know, <laughs> you know, it's easy to get there, but um, I use that all the time to, to, so I make sure I hear what's going on and then I can listen to it like later or while I'm working, you know, I'm just listening to make sure there's like talking points that I'm not missing. What was that um, called again? I'm sorry. I, I, I use was it easy voice recorder. Easy it's just an app. Recorder. It's free. I have it on my phone, but I use it all the time. Cool. That's an amazing strategy, Allison. <laughs> Well, it, I need it. <laughs> so. Also recording Zoom meetings, I think is, can be really helpful. I, yeah. I don't use Zoom in my current role, but in my last role I did. And I think just if you're even like a one-on-one with your manager and they're kind of like, you know, yeah, we're talking about what needs to be done. We're talking about the future. It's like, can I record this? Is it okay if I record this meeting? And then you can just have it, you know, always go back to it. That was yeah. really helpful for me. Absolutely. Especially if we get interrupted a lot. I mean, I have a really high interruption job. Like lots of people do right now, especially working at home, like you said, puppy and people and other stuff. It's like, (laughs) you know, it's so easy to just, you know, forget that one thing like, okay, I was about to do this. And then the mail comes and everybody. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) So true. And, And I think that there's like, there's accidental interruption and then there's like avoidance which yeah. I tend to sometimes use avoidance so it's like okay yeah. how can I hold myself accountable or I'm a yeah. part of the virtual co-working oh that's a great resource right Katie yeah so um Katie and I are part of a virtual co-working group and we meet on Mondays in the afternoon for an hour and we do kind of like Katie described in the webinar that whole like we're working together but separate with the video on and um, doing our own thing, but we kind of set goals in the beginning of the hour and then check in at the end of the hour. We do that on Mondays. And then on Friday mornings, we do what, what has been called frog fest. So it's at nine o'clock on Friday and we basically swallow the frog. We've been putting off for the week so that we can go into the weekend with some clear clarity and some satisfaction. <laughs> um, so, and I, what I love about what we're doing right here, and I want to reiterate, reiterate this is that we are we are all sharing what is our own challenges and what things have helped for us. And mm-hmm. to me, that is what I think 
community at work and organizations culture could really encourage and help create, you know, like, um, encourage people coming together and saying, Hey, we're going to have a lunch and learn. We're going to talk about how we can all be more productive or how we can all support each other in our, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But I just, I think that what we're doing is so important to continue to talk about. Yeah. Well, and Tara, the Friday Frog Fest, I usually use it as um, an hour to do the things that have been weighing heavily, like things that I've been avoiding because they make me uncomfortable. And usually it's like opening an email that like makes me cringe or (laughs) calling somebody that I know the conversation is going to be very um, aggressive or uncomfortable. And even though I still have to make that phone call and have to have those uncomfortable conversations, there's something about just knowing that even though it's on mute, but seeing these other faces on my computer, um, you guys aren't going to do anything or help me out. (laughs) But just knowing that you're there, it's an accountability piece and it's just, it's a calming as well. And so I think when we were talking earlier about how there's this kind of push to go back to the workplace and there, um, there's a lot of people resisting it. I think as, as leaders, we have to remind people how important it is, how much energy and how much support we get from being around people. And if we can't be in person, then doing these things like frog fest or um, virtual co-working. Mm-hmm. Or focus mate, I think you mentioned, right? Focus, focus mate. mate, body doubling. Focus. Yeah. And body so doubling. Yeah. Yeah. What's body doubling? Uh, it's the same thing as focus mate, except you do it like um, with someone, you know, so I would call Allison and be like, Hey, is there anything you've been putting off or need help with? Let's set up a time, you know, noon on Wednesday. And we would just, we'd start the same. So instead of it being called focus mate, it's just doing it with someone that, you know, so I'd be like, Hey, Allison, from 12 to 1230, let's work together on mm-hmm. zoom or in person. Yeah. And we'll work on something that we've been putting off. Yeah. Oh. Great. That's awesome. <laughs> and there you are the camaraderie, right? The community, the doing it together. Yeah. Makes such a difference for me personally. It makes such a difference. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to bring up too, that I'm, I'm really curious about for, for you all is around self-care because I know that for myself and for my loved ones and for my clients that have neurodiversity, that self-care, things like making sure we get enough rest as much as we can, right? Making sure we nourish ourselves throughout the day as much as we can with water as much as we can. Because when my cup is full and I'm taking care of my needs are met, then I'm more likely to be able to manage things that are coming at me, interruptions, et cetera, and the stressful you know, emails or the stressful projects. Um, so any, any things that you all have discovered either for your clients, for your employees or for yourselves of particularly important self-care? Or Allison, you want to start? I think as far as our employees are concerned, um, I'm just not, I, I mean, everyone is so different, you know, and, and what they need. Um, Even for you personally, like what helps you the most? I'm terrible at it. So I'm probably the worst <laughs> person to say it. I, I would love to be better at taking care of myself, but yeah, you know, in my, my job, I spend a lot of time taking care of others. And so mm-hmm. it's hard to get back to me. Um, yeah. You mentioned in my bio, I dance. That's my, that's my time. Mm-hmm. And you're not taking it from me and that's right. late at night and, but whatever. And I get to 
teach little tiny, beautiful four and five year olds. And I adore that. And that's my, I guess that's my self care. Um, but beyond that, I, I need to get better at it. And I agree once, when you feel good and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're drinking your water and eating and all the things that you're, you know, you do, you're better, you're better everything. So yeah, better everything. So exactly. I, I admittedly am terrible at self-care. So, but I, I understand why. And I, I know the difference. I know when I have been taking care of myself, it's a lot easier to get through other things. So yeah, that's my goal. There, well, I think accountability is a big part of that, at least for myself, you know, it's like, and that's part of why being a part of groups is helpful mm-hmm. and a plug. Cause a lot of my clients, a big part of the accountability is the self-care like setting goals and then reflecting. And then what are your practices for this week? And, um, and, you know, and, and working with a coach, like, cause I do leadership development, communication. I do self-care. I do emotional intelligence, like all of those subjects. And Katie is the specialist in this executive function area. So she's a coach for that. And I really, I can't, I can't say it enough on how important accountability and being with somebody that can understand you and help you in a respectful, in a, in a encouraging way to brainstorm like we're doing here and, um, and holding, you know, holding, having somebody that's there to help me be accountable. Yeah. And then Katie mentioned too, in the, in the webinar that for whatever examples that it's not just one thing of learning how to maybe take care of yourself in one way, but it's, it's that practice. It's not going to happen the first time you say you need to practice what you preach, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's what make it a habit, right? Yeah. Like we make have it a to habit. practice to make it a habit. And, and that's a lot of what over time with my clients, it's like they have new habits and new habits of thinking, new habits of responding. Um, so, and, and I, and I've had clients say, you know, like, gosh, I'm dealing with this again. I'm like, well, you know, it's a pretty deep groove, (laughs) pretty deep neurological groove that you've developed all the last 40 years. So we're, we're turning the, we're turning the Titanic, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and it takes practice and it takes it. So it's, but the hope is that it's going to get easier and the duration is going to be shorter and it's going to be less intense. You're going to have less energy expended. So habit, 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 practice, practice, practice. Well, and I think when you make a decision of self-care, let's say, instead of being like, I'm going to start taking care of myself, right? <laughs> well, let's be really specific and start with something small. And so I think about drinking water. Like I know that I feel better when I drink enough water. I don't get headaches. I have more energy. Um, it just everything feels better. So one of the things I text my clients about is habit stacking. And so what are things that you already do in your normal life, which for most people and is right. You brush your teeth in the morning. So that's a habit that you've already developed. So instead of trying to, um, like add something big, just try to add on to that habit of, so as soon as I brush my teeth, I'm going to fill up my water bottle. That's the second thing that I do. And so then you have your water bottle. So I always find, right. If I just fill it up once my day is it's better. So especially, um, with, so it's just it's, take something that you already do normally brush your teeth. What's the one thing that you're just going to start doing right afterwards. And that's going to be fill your glass or fill your water bottle. And then you've done it for the day. Um, so you've already set yourself up and cued yourself to be successful by a remind remembering to do it and B having the full water bottle. And now it's, you know, drinking it. So, right. <laughs> so, um, but just already 
building on things that you already do can help with self-care. Um, so don't make it like huge, like I'm going to get a massage every week. Well, that's not very, maybe not sustainable, but, um, maybe you can do it once a month or something like that. Um, something to think about. I try to eat every time I, every time I use the restroom, I try to drink a glass of water because I figure, you know, a little in, a little out, (laughs) you know, it's like a healthy, healthy flow, so to speak, um, literally and figuratively. So, um, Yeah. I love that. I think that's really good because creating new habits is difficult and there's a million things written about how to create new habits, but that habit stacking is a great suggestion for sure. Now, Katie shared a stat between um, the webinar and the recording, the beginning of this recording. And I'd love for you to share it with our listeners about the cost of our, on our economy of, um, of some of these challenges not being addressed. Oh, okay. Yes. So I came across this statistic on, um, that said that unmanaged adult ADHD costs are the U S economy, $200 billion a year, um, almost $200 billion a year. So I think when you look at it like that, um, you know, that it's a real disability and, and it's time to like step up, destigmatize the word, and come up with strategies to make people more successful mm-hmm. um, in work and in personal life. Yes, 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 yes. That's that. I think that's a great little final thought. Unless anyone else has anything else to share before we call it a wrap. Okay. Well, thanks again for uh, both of you attending. I really appreciate you both being here and sharing your, your thoughts and your ideas and suggestions is so, so helpful. Um, and we wanna thank our sponsors. Actually, Emily, I don't have that part. I only have the first part. That's okay. I'll jump in and thank our sponsors. <laughs> Please, thank our sponsors. <laughs> thank you, thank sponsors. you to our sponsors. <laughs> thank you. Thank Avista you. Utilities and Canopy Credit Union. We love you so much. We're so, so grateful that you are a part of this. So thank you. Making it possible, right? So that we can provide this uh, free to our community and to anybody listening and anyone watching the webinars. So join us next time. We have the topic on living living your best life. I can't remember the the topic. How to be the leader of your own life with Miss E. Springer and Debbie Heiser will be our last final webinar of the series on May 25th. Awesome. So uh, join us for our final check out the website that uh, the the link for Gonzaga to look at all the past webinars that have happened, Mm -hmm. listen to the past podcasts, um, and then um, tune in next time for that topic. And we'll, we'll visit with Misty and Debbie. And thanks again, Emily and Allison and Katie for this fantastic conversation today. I've been taking notes and I have all sorts of plans. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you all so much.